Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The next hurdle for Jean and Teresa and others was the legislation governing the statute of limitations on childhood sexual abuse. First of all, I need one of you to explain what statute of limitations means in like plain language and how you each have been involved in that. Teresa, well, the statute of limitations began so that lawsuits would happen in a timely manner. And when we left, the statute was three years. During Joe Rowe, the statute was three years. In other words, you had three years from the time you reached the age of majority, which was 18 at the time, to file your lawsuit. And then it increased after the Joe Rowe case to the age of 25. And this is even though... It is known that the average age for a person that suffered childhood sexual abuse is 52. So after the papers came along, they revisited it and they increased age to 38. It On its face, that looks like progress. But because they injected the what's called the statute of repose into the statute of limitations, it froze the age of 38 forever. And also it killed any idea of having what we call a look back window where we could go in and file a suit within two years to get a day in court. than those that were abused past the age of 38. So what we are fighting for now, one of the biggest hurdles, and we're going to try this year, I don't know if we're going to be successful is to remove the statute of repose. What's important is that the statute of repose was injected into the statute of limitations by church lobbyists. They paid much money to get them to sneak this in, and it gives constitutional protective property rights. It's intended to be used in product liability cases. It limits the length of time a builder may be held responsible for product defects. We are products. We're human beings. 
has nothing to do with the statute of limitation in childhood sexual abuse. They just put it in there to freeze it so that people cannot come ahead and file a lawsuit after the age of 38. When they know full well the average age is 52 for someone to even be able to talk about this. So we're going to try to get it removed and we're going to try for a look back window going forward. Actually, we want to eliminate the statute of limitations altogether. What have you done, Teresa? What are some of the things you, your self, have personally done? My cats. Your cats and the show. (laughs) Yeah, I've been meeting with people where we get a strategy together to write to the lawmaker and try to get them on our side and both the House and the Senate this year. And hopefully this year we'll be able to testify in person because that is it. The lawmaker is a better idea of just how serious this thing is. And Wilson, C.J. Wilson? No, C.T. C.J. is not C.T. has been instrumental in getting this thing pushed forward. And I think with his help and by writing to the legislation and what we do a lot of is march in front of the buildings, in front of the Annapolis buildings to bring the media. And I'm big on the media. Bring them in and tell them just how important this is for survivors. If this thing just helps the future children, then I'll feel like I accomplished something. If it stops it right now, but the legislation, the church is paying lobbyists a lot of money. A lot of the money that people put in those collection plates go right to the lobbyists who fight this progress. And they want to keep the statute of limitations the way it is so that we all just die off and disappear. We've seen you on television, Teresa. How many times have you testified? How many years in the House and Senate? I've worked at least a decade with SNAP. I used to work with Frank Dingle, who used to be the Maryland chapter head of SNAP. And we met on corners in front of the Archdiocese building in Baltimore. It, this is a big thing for me. I really want to push this through. A lot of the other states are getting the statute of limitations through, and they're getting their look-back windows. Maryland's like a holdout state. I've been at least a decade. Jane, how about your involvement? I know it's in the last couple of years. You've also testified correctly. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it, I have always, this is one of the places where most of the things, if you watch what I do, it's in my house. My interviews with the keepers and different interviews. I deal with a lot of feet for a variety of reasons, but it's couldn't even, I can't. I can say yes to things. And then when I get up to it, it's like, why did I say yes to that? Maybe some other survivors understand that. And I've done a lot of things. But going down and being a part of a group is a little claustrophobic for me. And so it took a lot for me to go. It was kind of like pulling up my big girl pants. And it was like, okay, I'm going to go test five. So I had my friend Maria was going with me. Because I always have to have somebody there because I will melt down after, which I did. It's just like I do it and then I go into a full panic. And so she helped me get out of the room. Matter of fact, I think the guy was talking and it was what was triggering me, what he was saying. It was just like I was just right there and I had to just get out. I just had to get out. And Maria's saying, we're in the back of the room and she's just, 
guy's still up there talking. And later I'm thinking, that poor guy, nobody did that well. Yeah. So I'm I'm climbing over people's coats and stuff and had to get out in the hall to breathe. And then a gentleman who had spoke before me came out. And he stood in front of me and he said, I have to tell you, because I'll probably never see you again. He said that I'm alive because of you. And I knew he was talking about the keepers. And I knew that the impact has been. And so when we hugged and cried, he talked about he was there in order to be that for other people. And I said, that's why I'm it's we are survivors supporting survivors in all of this. We're not getting the responses from the institutions. We're not hearing the words, the silence you can cut with the knife. It's deafening. It's so strong. But we are not being quiet. And once I found my voice, I figured I'll find ways that I can do that. So when it comes to the statute of limitations, it's very personal because it had an extreme impact, extreme. And extreme impact on somebody who was a victim in the middle of it, who wasn't even aware of what the heck was going on, just knew it was the right thing to do. So I think it was even unfair playing ground. If you looked at that now, USA trauma specialist, they would be appalled that there was the survivors were in that room with these people. That said, I do feel, and I don't, I'm not, but I do feel that if they can abolish the statute of limitations, I will be a happy camper. That will be for all children because this is not going to stop. If people think that the few PR things that Lori does is going to bring this to an end, think again. Because for one, I think by them doing nothing, they have said to those predators out there, those perpetrators, as long as you're not found out, you're fine. I also think that there is a method to the madness that they just find more secretive ways to do what they're doing. And what they're doing is they're raping the soul of children. And once you get someone, and I feel me and Teresa speak to this, once you get someone thinking it's their fault and this is what they deserve and this is what they want, you can get them to do anything. And then it really does look years later, like you did at that first point where they brought you to that broken spot. And there's another thing that we've been bringing up is the economic burden that childhood sexual abuse causes. When you're talking to the lawmakers, you want to bring in all kinds of aspects. And the lifetime economic burden of childhood sexual abuse is approximately $9.3 billion. In 2018, the Department of Mental Health of Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School broke it down. These include health care costs, productivity losses, child welfare costs, violence, crime, special education, and suicide. And you bring all this into the lawmakers and say, it's not just me crying myself to sleep at night or hiding in the closet. It's money coming out of taxpayers' pockets. And Frank Dangle, the guy that rents snaps in Maryland, would always drive that home. He would have a chart where he would point out the cost of this occurrence. And then maybe the lawmakers will hear that and vote the right way. Teresa, as an attorney, can you clarify on if this is a correct thought? But for the statute of limitation, if Maryland was to do away with it, all that would mean is that 
you wouldn't have an age limit on how long after your abuse occurred you could come forward, but you still would have to show proof that it happened in court. You still have the burden of proof, correct? Yes. A lot of the lobbyists for the church will say it's giving all of us a free pass, like we're all out to get the church money, and that's not the case. You have to prove it. You have to be vetted and prove you attended that school for those years. And it's not an easy thing to have evidence brought in, and then it would have to go to the jury. You would have to approve it before a jury to get an award of any kind. Also, when the law is signed into effect, only after that date the law is signed in, those people are the ones that are covered by the law. I don't see in Maryland, unfortunately, a look back window. I hope yeah. a look back window, but like I said before, if we can protect people going forward, that's good enough for me. And then they have through their case. Yeah, I agree. This is about what can we do for the children who are coming behind us. Bottom line, there's a lot of other things it's about. That, that would be for me. What is the next time the law can be looked at in terms of what can happen next? We're already meeting to talk about that. And like I said, we have the emails of the legislatures that we're going to contact and to get this passed this year. And this session within the new year, I'll be down there testifying and holding up my sign and bring attention to it. Keep it in their media is what I say. Make noise. And then people will hear what's going on. This is one of the ways. This is one of the ways. By being able to find the social media outlets where it can be done in because like I said I may have my limitations but I have been able to use my voice in a variety of ways where it we're in a different time so this to me is one of the ways what we're doing is just bringing it again to the attention I think they would all like us to fall back to sleep I think they would like for everything just to go back to sleep and I think that it, we're past that point, but it means we have to make noise, use our voices, find how we can. It doesn't have to be the same ways, but how can we support the truth being told and the things that we know need to happen for the children who are coming? Looking for a new way to unwind after a long day? Say hello to Recess Mood, a healthier alternative that keeps your evenings light and your spirit high. With Recess Mood, you get the pleasure without the guilt. Made with real fruit and infused with mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing adaptogens, Recess Mood lets you relax without alcohol or hangovers. It's just 20 calories per can, has no added sugar, and comes in four delightful flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. I've tried these myself, and whether I'm chilling at home or need a moment during downtime chaos, Recess Mood is my go-to refreshment. It's truly a guilt-free way to unwind. And now there's something special for all our listeners. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com shane and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. We're going to change direction, but I want to ask you two personally, we're going to talk about law enforcement and your 
experience, good and bad. This is a really sensitive subject. So our viewers need to know that it could be triggering and that we're inviting Jean and Teresa to talk about their experiences with law enforcement because it's not always played a positive role in their lives. I think I'll start, okay, if that's okay. And then Teresa can add in. My father was a policeman and he was a policeman most of our upbringing, 10 kids. He was a good man. I don't know what this did to him to know that police were involved. I don't know why, what they did to me to be sure that my father never knew. I don't know. I don't know the mind games and the brainwashing and the all that went on. I have no idea where all that interjected. But when I came forward with to start talking, I did talk to the Baltimore County Police, who was with the cold case for Sister Kathy. I have talked to seven different law enforcement people, whether they were with the county or whether they were more than that, but seven times, eight times. Baltimore County, Baltimore City, I consider that us talking to Elizabeth Embry and the investigators for this attorney general's investigation. It takes a hell of a lot for us to go there again and talk about, it was three and a half, four hours. And I had someone with me and John looked at them at one point and said, how, what are you going to do with this? Because how many more times does she have to put her heart on this table or any of these tables and nothing be done? And it's not just the survivor who feels it. Other people feel it for us that this is hard. So I've had, I've talked to a variety of, and good people. But I can honestly tell you, all those people that I've talked to, never once have I had somebody come back to me and say, we investigated that, or we looked into that, and we don't see where that can be true. Or we don't, we haven't had nothing. I'm always the one that would call them. I'm always the one that would email them as the good little doobie. But I never get anything back in return. There was a policeman from the very beginning when I told the archdiocese of the group of adults. I remember one of those people was the policeman. I still to this day don't see the face, but I know that it had a major impact because he stood in his police uniform while I was made to do oral sex. Again, my father was a policeman and this was very traumatic. Then I started to remember it must have been, it was interesting because it was in the keepers. I had seen the old face of Skinnell, but it was when a picture of him in his uniform younger goes across the back. I don't know if it's on a shelf. Yes. But I'm sitting here with Sarah and Ryan and Jess are in two chairs. And I found myself in the bathroom yelling, turn it off. I knew him and I knew I didn't know what I knew about him, but I just had such a huge reaction. So within three months, I remembered what I remembered about him. I also have remembered him two other times in abusive situations that school had brought me to. Him abusing me. There was also what I started to do at one point when I started to feel like, whoa, wait a minute. I need to start taking this bull by the horn. 
I have these faces and I don't have any, I have these memories in their faces. I'm trying to be the good little girl and do it the way they want me to do. I don't want anybody to say I made it up. And I decided I was going to start asking for pictures where somebody had a picture that they could send it, but it would have to be in a white envelope. It would be sealed. It had, it went to my therapist and then it wouldn't be until I was sitting with her and I felt ready. I would open it. I know one of the times I had a, I thought after a while you think there, I can't, some of them there, I had no reaction. They might've been a John and there was a father John I remembered back in the day. And I wanted to find who that, that might've been. But it was interesting because these police, they were disgusting beyond the fact that they were police as men. This Bob Zimmerman, I would say, I still shake. I just shook. I just feel that these are people that I wonder if the department has records on these guys. Is there somebody who had been kept some kind of record on their, did they get called down for something? Did somebody in the department penalize them for something? Because this didn't just happen in a room or in a park with Maskell. This was behavior that could not be turned on and off. And that's where I find myself now, too. It's like the more that I'm connecting to the truth of this within my life, within my body, within my mind and my heart and my spirit, the more I realize that we are calling for reports from the archdiocese. I want reports being also given from the police department. I am hoping that this attorney general's investigation, because I'm sure I'm not the only person that told them police were involved. I am hoping they're getting records from the police department so that they can see if some of those people that we have talked about are in those records, had been written up, had been brought down a notch for behavior that was unbecoming of policemen. Jean, we've all run into a closed door in terms of getting information from the police department. Do you feel like part of that is that when you have talked to them personally and it's they're not really listening, that they're protecting their fathers and grandfathers, the two generations who very likely abused you and other girls who were involved in the whole Keo mess? It could be, but when I'm with them, what I can still feel it like I just talked to two detectives two weeks ago, who are now the new detectives on the cold case. And I think that they're sincere, but I think they don't necessarily believe the size of this. Because the one I asked him after it was done, I said, so I want to know, honestly, what do you think after I've just talked to you about this? And he said, I'll be honest. He said, it sounds a bit out there. And he said, but what I liked about this, instead of this little manila folder, he had a binder that had to be that thick. And he said, and we're not used to that kind of expanded stuff. And he banged on the folder and a binder. And he said, but every time you've talked to someone, your story never changes. I have and to, I yeah. thought he heard me. I talked to the same officer and... He said to me, what I'm having trouble with, Gemma, is that, first of all, he could be my son, and he's totally overwhelmed. He said, he's the only officer dealing with 200 cold cases. Now he has help, but 
I want our viewers to know that he said to me, there are tubs, T-U-B-S, of documents here. And he said, you all know more about this than I do, which was a weird thing for a cop to say. But I said, what do you need? And he gave me a list. Here's what I need. I need you to make connections between all these people you're talking about. A week later, he had it. And it was two pages long, but I made the connections. And he's, you did some homework. And I said, now I'm going to give you a timeline of the week before Kathy disappeared and the weekend she disappeared because much of what you heard is bullshit. And I know the people that went to see her. And we know some of the people who were likely involved that weekend. And what's in the missing person report is not all accurate. There's a lot of people that want this to happen. And I said to him, if you would let Abby and me come and look at what you have and have a detective sit with us, he can tell us the organization. And she and I could say that you don't need to look at that. Look at this. That's not important. This is important. And I said, we could solve this for you. And he said, I bet you could. And he said, let me send it up the line. So I'm thinking, is he just blowing smoke up my butt? And he got back to me and he said, it would be fine with me, but my supervisors say no. And my reaction to that, he said, there's nobody in this department that doesn't want to see this solved. And I don't believe that because if they want it solved, they would accept help from people who have information. And I have sent them everything I have from everybody and they won't accept our personal help. And I know Abby and I could do this. I know we could get the Maryland crime victims investigator to help us and they're refusing. So I still don't really believe that the police want this publicly solved because it's going to take down so many institutions and important people in Washington. So that's my interjection. Think it's the same as the Archdiocese? It's the tip of the iceberg. This is not just something that grew over a key. This is behavior. This is trafficking. This is a organized ring. It didn't die with Maskell. I think of all the people he mentored just by giving them permission to do it. This is not something that just has gone away because those people died. This is something that is systemically wrong. It's systemically wrong within the system. And it is still going on. Like I say, until somebody says, I'm calling them out. I'm going to say who they are. We're going to hold them accountable. Mea culpa, mea culpa. I hope people will still trust us after. Until they do that, people will continue doing just whatever in hell they want to do. Because nobody is saying we were upset. Now we need to start a serious conversation. But it is the tip of the iceberg. I think that if they did that, they'd have to really look at the brothers and the fathers Mm -hmm. and the people they don't want to have head mouth. Teresa, in the spirit of calling them out, do you want to talk about your experience with law enforcement, positive and negative? Yeah, I went, my friend Linda, who went to Kiyo also, and I were taken on one of Maston's police runs. I've talked about it before. This was the seven Halloween. Maston took us to the wooded area, and there were a lot of cops there, a lot of police cars. 
And I was attacked, abused by two policemen that night. Minda was never able to tell me exactly what happened to her. They took her away from me to another part of the woods. I'm terrified. I am terrified to think about that night. I'm, I didn't try to remember because I'm scared. And a lot of times people said, why didn't you tell anybody who were we going to tell? Because the law enforcement was involved. They were involved. Masquerade friends that were policemen and they took part in the abuse. And it's not just me saying this. My friend who's no longer witness, Linda, was abused and other women that attended cannot in Kiel. It's not, like Jean said, it's not just limited to key and these people don't stop one thing about pedophiles is they don't stop and something has to be done or i wish it would be done and somebody in authority the records i've always said show me the records show me maskell's records show me the records of with names on them and open this up to an investigation just get somebody to look into it for us please and stop it do you want to name names? Do you know the names of any officers that were involved that you want to name? No, I, I don't. I don't know the names. I can't remember the faces. It was very dark. I was abused in my back. Both Maskell's car. I don't. I can't identify him. But it, it happens. It happens. What would you like to say to the police department, the Baltimore County Police Department? Could you just look into it? It's not just me saying this, but maybe check it out and see what's going on and make it a safe place for everybody. I'm sure there's a lot of good policemen out there that want to do the right thing. And I appeal to them to check into it. I would say the same thing, but I would even, I don't know, I feel like it's bigger. It's almost, I think we're talking to the community because we've already, they're not listening, those who were saying, who, this is the community. When people stop putting money into the basket, that affects them. We're not talking to the church hierarchy. We're talking to the people who decide whether this is truth or not. And I think what you're saying, Teresa, is 100% on target. But I also think it's about the community demanding that this get looked into. What did we have? 50,000 people signed a petition back at the beginning right. in the, they wanted the records. I have a question. When I came forward and I, st I, st I gave the statement about Mariscal, next thing you know, he is out of Holy Cross. I think I was the scapegoat, but needless to say, he got taken out and sent for evaluation. If I had been in my right mind, I think I would have, it would have, Mike and I would have done this very different. But when they came, when Roy said, we don't have anything showing that he would be this kind of person. We don't have anything that's just, do you have anybody that could corroborate? I wonder if I had a right to that finding. If I had been in my right mind and I was saying this man did these horrific things to me and they came back and said, we evaluated him and he was, he shows up fine. If because they did it on my statement, if I would have had some right to that record of why they were letting him back out on the street. 
I know those records are gone now, but for future survivors, if somebody is evaluated on their allegation, Teresa, you might know this, is the evaluation, especially if they're saying we found nothing wrong, he's going back out on the street, or, or is the person who alleged it entitled to see how they could come to that conclusion? So I, I think the evaluation would come under the confidentiality the doctor and the patient. And unless some kind of legal action took place where the records would be subpoenaed, I don't think you have a chance to see them. Okay. Just to add to that, though, when I interviewed, yeah. when I interviewed Sean Kane from the Archdiocese, he mentioned that he had looked at Maskell's file. And he mentioned that he told me that he knew that Maskell was a monster, I think is what is the wording that he used. So I have a feeling that document is still there and all of that's still there. He said that he turned it over. I believe he said that he turned the file over to the criminal investigation, which will lead us into our next question. But could each of you explain your perspectives on that criminal investigation into clergy abuse from Maryland? You mean the Attorney General's investigation into it? Yeah. Yes. I think Gene mentioned I went and told them what happened to me. I had to talk about all the abuse and they wrote it down about what happened to me. And other survivors went and talked to them. And it's my understanding that they're conducting an investigation not only into the predator priest, but into the organizations that enable the predator priest. And my statement to the press a couple of weeks ago was in Pennsylvania, the attorney general did a very similar investigation of their archdiocese and the predator priest. And they came down in two years where they had the results and a released report. Heads were old. They completed their report and they went to the grand jury and they succeeded. For some reason in Baltimore, the attorney general, it's four years now since they started the investigation. Of course, this is the last year that Brian Frosch is going to be in the attorney general's office. Uh, we don't know who's going to take his place. If that person taking their place is going to continue this investigation into the Archdiocese of Baltimore, Vanry, as to why did they cover up this abuse? What's going to have happened to our investigation? Are they just going to bury it? I would like to hear the status of the report. I'm not asking them to tell me any details because it's worse. They won't. When an ongoing investigation is happening, they won't talk about it. But is there an end in sight? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Like in Pennsylvania, the victims in Pennsylvania got to see that light, and we deserve as much here in Baltimore. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery holding up? Mine's been draining lately, consumed by the darkness of true crime tales. But amidst the shadows, it's crucial to remember to prioritize our mental well-being. Just like unraveling a twisted plot, Therapy helps me untangle the knots in my mind. It's about gaining clarity, finding strength, and reclaiming control over your life. Considering therapy, BetterHelp offers a lifeline in the darkness. It's completely online, giving you the freedom to seek help in your own terms. And with a simple questionnaire, 
you can be matched with a licensed therapist who understands your unique struggles. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com foul today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash foul, F-O-U-L. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I agree with everything that Teresa said. I come at it as more of a survivor advocate. I feel that the silence, the first year was fine. I even have emails to Rich Wolf after the first year. Hello, are you still there? Because as a survivor who is still dealing with a lot of my own, I've really felt like, what's going on? Did they believe me? I bet they didn't believe me. So I spoke, I think, of it from two years later, I started thinking, they're fooling us. Nothing's happening. But every time I got a hold of Rich Wolf, he had some really nice, it's still going on or some kind of little, and that always, okay, good, okay, okay, okay. Now we're four years. And keep in mind, it started a year after the Keepers came out. This right. is my way of thinking. The Keepers came out, went worldwide, and we started getting all kinds of people coming out. We were then asked, please send them all to Rich Wolf, who was a lovely man. I have no bad things to say about Rich. We sent them all down there. I was putting an ad up. Jeannie never spoke about anything to anybody on Facebook. And there's an ad from Jean. We were doing this. If we gave a talk, I'd make sure it was on the back of whatever our little pamphlet was. It's in my book. It's we are good people who are saying, go talk to them. Because when I first heard it was going to happen, it was hopeful. I thought, this is our last hurrah. This is the last thing that could possibly bring some kind of quote-unquote justice to this. So for me, I started feeling the intensity of what what silence does. It's an old familiar for survivors because that's what allows for the abuse to continue. And then it creates a fear and the fear starts to build. And so I think for me, what I was saying and what I continue to say is, What about those people who came forward 
And I know I've done this too. When I went down, Teresa, and I gave him my whole litany of things again, I didn't want to mess up the case. I didn't want to talk too much about it. I didn't want to say anything outside of school because I don't want to be the person that's that messes this up. So we've got people who were talking for the first time. We sent them down there. And how many of them have not been able to come back and become a part of this social conversation who may have been an affirmation for another person, may have been corroboration for another person. But now they're in that feeling of, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to say something and you mess up this case. But it's four years later. And Elizabeth Embry has, she's been elected to another, she's a delegate for someplace downtown because she is working towards the next general election. So she got elected for the first part. Now she's going into the second. And I would would guarantee she's not even there now. So I have lost the sense of, I've lost any sense of believing that they, I have to see it to believe it. That How long ago they said it was going to be in two. Even Rich Wolf told me when I asked him for an update, it's coming. We're going to, we're going to send an, there's going to, there's going to be an update on the social media. And the update was, it was the same blurb that we've all been putting out. Frash said it was just the same thing. If anybody has information, there was no update. And so I agree. It's like something, a drink of water. You're dealing with a group of people who can't handle the silence. It's reminiscent of a time when people were not taking care of you. And so I just think that needs to be taken into real consideration. You guys have done a press conference that got some national attention. You're shaking the you're shaking the bars really loud. And we want to know what do what can the public do? Anything that's practical or because we have an army worldwide. I'm gonna guess this this episode is gonna reach two hundred thousand people on six continents. We don't know if anybody watches in Antarctica, but they probably do. What do you want to say to the public? Because they're not going to leave you. The institutions have turned their backs, but the rest of us are not. So what can we do to support your cause without giving you more work? We're going to say, I'm sorry, Teresa, I just have one quick one, and it is, I have I'm a survivor who is still surviving. So I have issues. So if I knew that people were coming out with those, with signs, come out with signs when Teresa says there's going to be people down on the corner. That's the first press conference I did. And there, if you get enough people who are going to be coming out, you will get the media there. So I think when Teresa says there's going to be, if people can come out with signs, you're going for me. You're going to go for me and for the other survivors who don't, who can't be in a crowd or afraid of who they may bump into, who are still remembering. And maybe it's somebody who has bad memories about you and you don't know it. So I think do it for me, but go out with a sign when they say we're going to now be starting our stand on the corner at courthouse. I have a friend who is a professor in India, and we've done 
she has 500 law students who are attached to you too. And what can people like that do? I don't drive. What can I do? Write letters to the general's office, to the newspapers, and say, can you cover this more? Can you find out what's going on? The legislatures, writing letters and sending emails instead of writing the letters and making noise. That's my best advice is to make noise. If you can't be here physically, then send a letter. So I think what our listeners and what our viewers will take away from this is what the Archdiocese for all of this time has wanted, it seems, after the keepers went out, they have wanted people to forget. And so what I'm hearing you say is you want people to not forget. And no matter who they need to contact or who they need to talk to, whether they need to contact their representatives or whoever it is tell their friends, tell their family about what's happening. You want them to just make sure they're not forgetting and staying active and realizing what's happening here in Maryland. And to talk there, wherever they are, this this abuse goes on everywhere. Please, this is not about just Keo. This is about supporting children. And when I say that, Teresa, because we're still that child inside that was traumatized and stuck because it was as if someone threw a wrench into the system. Now, some people are making their way through. I've come leaps and bounds. Teresa does it a different way. I love the pies. But I do think that we need to also get that message across. Be speaking out for your community. Speak out at your churches. Speak out at your law enforcement. Make it clear that you will not tolerate this. That if this pops up in your life, that you will not let this stay asleep. You're not going to do it. So I think that it would be a real benefit to all of us if that were a little bit more expressed. This is not just something to be watched and waited for. This is something you could do right in your own backyard. People who I think who contact me about the keepers is tell others. Tell others. Let other people know about it. Because if it had that kind of impact on you, you gotta believe and none of us know who has been sexually abused. And that's what I would say. That you might think everybody talk about this. Talk about child sexual abuse. Be out there. Use your voice. Make noise in your community, whether it's India, whether it is Massachusetts, whether it doesn't, I don't, it is everywhere. And it needs to be combated with the truth. And that's what we're speaking is the truth. I just want to say personally to you too, this was a powerful two and a half hours for me. And you are the most awesome, amazing badasses. This is poignant. It's profound what you've done today. And I think when you see it, you're going to realize what a difference you're making in the world and what a difference that this episode of any that we've ever done is probably the most powerful. So I want to thank you from myself because you're my friends and you're my Keo sisters. But before Shane closes, I think it's important that we thank, we we called, we, we outed people and we named names, but I think it's also important to give credit to the institutions that have 
really supported survivors and us. So I'm going to read this so that I don't forget anybody. We want to thank the following for their support in these efforts. And this man has done more than people know. His name is Scott Soriano. He's the sex crimes detective for Baltimore City. And he has been available for years to all the survivors who were abused at Keogh in order for them to be able to report because Keogh is in the city. Also, the SNAP, the Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests, RAIN, which is the Rape and Incest Network and 24-Hour Hotline, and I'm excited because I've applied to be one of their hotline volunteers. The Sister Kathy Sesnick Survivors Fund, which provides financial assistance for therapy to survivors of childhood abuse in Maryland and Pennsylvania because the church does not give them enough in their mediation settlements for ongoing therapy. We also now want to thank the Maryland Crime Victims Resource Center, which is providing pro bono legal and investigative assistance to our survivors. And we're going to post the contact information for all of these organizations. But Kurt Wolfgang, the executive director, and Jeff Gray, their investigator, are doing their very best to try and help all of us and to move this along. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.